Welcome to Zero Knowledge, a podcast where we explore the latest in blockchain technology and the decentralized web. The show is hosted by me, Anna. And me, Frederick. In this week's episode, Anna sits down with Jorge from Aragon to discuss his work on the project, the history of DAOs, and the challenges and potential of these new organizational entities. Before we start, we want to say thank you to this week's sponsor, Apograph. Apograph's platform is designed to break down barriers, reward researchers, and promote open science. Institutions and for-profit publications put a high price tag on much of the world's best research, even when that research is funded by the public. This hinders professional communication, it constrains data analysis, and it slows the rate of scientific progress as a whole. To counter this, Apograph has built an extensive collection of open access research papers on cryptography, distributed computer systems, and blockchain. If you are a researcher who'd be interested in having a profile in such a system, or if you'd like to subscribe to a specific researcher's work, please check out welcome.apograph.io. We've added the link in the show notes. So thank you again, Apograph. Now here is our interview with Jorge. So today I'm sitting with Jorge from Aragon One, and we're going to be talking a little bit about Aragon, the structure of Aragon, the Aragon courts, all sorts of cool stuff. Um, and I think Jorge is an amazing guest to have on to also touch on the topic sort of generally of DAOs, something we haven't really covered that much. There is one episode that we did do on the, the DAO uh, with Griff Green which I'll put in the show notes. That might be an interesting one to check out before this one. But um, yeah, anyway, Jorge, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Anna. Super excited. Uh, Jorge, what are you working on? Um, I'm the one of the co-founders of the Aragon Project and currently work at Aragon One, uh, which is one of the one of the teams working uh, on Aragon. Cool. What is Aragon? Um, Aragon is a project that is making... Uh, decentralized organizations happen. Uh, so the Argon client is this way to create and manage uh, decentralized organizations, but we're also working on on the Argon network uh, that we call it like a um, like a digital jurisdiction for for DAOs in a way, which is providing sovereign DAOs with some of the services that they w- wouldn't get um, from not being a part of the traditional legal system. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, what were you doing before this? So before this, um, Luis and I, I, I used to be an iOS uh, app developer I, and I had, uh, multiple jobs doing this. At some point, I, I stopped working for, for the company I was working for. Um, and I was back in Madrid thinking about what to, what to do next. Um, and my co-founder, Luis, he was also moving, moving away from his, from his current company. And he told me about this, this idea that he had for, for a company. Um, and we, immediately teamed up on it and we we moved over to 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 silicon valley to um kind of work on it and fundraise for the for the idea that idea was kind of shifted uh quite quite a bit and we ended up building like this crowdfunding platform to fight patent trolls oh, wow. uh, so if there was like bad patents that 
could be used to harm companies that you have a, a patent because you bought it from a company that was going bankrupt or directly having companies that file totally stupid patents uh, that can then take that pattern and try to extort other companies that do something barely related to what says in the patent. So we were building um, a crowdfunding platform for that um, and we like to take down specific patents and we mm-hmm. figured that um, or the people that wanted to use it weren't that interested in like throwing down specific patents because they never knew what what type of patent like what specific patent could hurt them and they wanted insurance um and at that point uh we started playing around with the idea of building an insurance vehicle directly on on ethereum oh, wow. uh, and we went pretty pretty dumb pretty down a rabbit hole and that was super super interesting but apparently like launching a, an insurance vehicle has like a lot of uh, a lot of things. yeah <laughs> yeah like building making the the thing work on ethereum was like not super hard but then there was like a, a lot of other things um and at that point we we had gotten ourselves like very familiar with with ethereum and we decided to um to convert it into what today's aragon and focus focus on that okay so now let's talk about aragon what year is this? What what year did you start thinking about Aragon? Yeah, this was the fall of 20, 2016. Okay. Did you write a white paper? Did you do kind of the classic? Yeah, I mean, when we started thinking very seriously about the about the idea, uh, we did some some brainstorming, and then uh, Luis um, started writing a a white paper. But um, right until actually, the first white paper was very interesting because more than it was kind of like a product spec in a way it was like okay we want to do these decentralized organization things um and what are the features that that we need okay we need identity for the people here we need a way to have um shares or token management to give uh, people interest economic interest in in the organization we need a way to track finances and so it was like okay these are the things that we would need uh, but then immediately we set out to build the the build the product the, the first prototype um and we did that in like Three months, we were to a point that we were comfortable with this uh, and kind of showed it to to the world. We put it on on the our Ethereum Reddit, and that was that was super fun. And then, like a month after that, we launched the we launched the product, the first alpha, and people were already using it. So that original white paper was kind of just a okay. This is the uh, one the the motivation behind the idea, and this is how how we can do it, uh, and we can do it now. But the pr- you actually proved it a little bit more with this MVP. Okay, so what what did you do next? When like when did you do the sale? The sale was in later, like the next year, like in, in May. May two thousand eighteen. Seventeen. Seventeen. Good timing. <laughs> did you? What was that like? Yeah, I mean the the moment before the sale, uh, because at the end of the day, we I mean we wrote the smart contract for for managing the sale, and that was like uh, when it started, we had like our monitoring tools, um, so we could see how how it was going. But the, like the ten minutes before that, people were already trying to contribute to it. it. It started getting very very stressful, and the days leading up to it, it was like a a lot of a lot of work. Um, but yeah, it, it ended up going well we didn't get hacked uh everything everything moved smoothly people got their their tokens and actually um a lot of people told us because there were already a lot of crazy um sales going on like nothing as it would go after uh but it was like like a pretty boring boring sale like everything just just worked worked. people got their tokens and and that's that that was it how much did you guys raise uh 20 25 million dollars back then was lower i guess back then eh 
Yeah, yeah, you okay. was said ninety dollars back then. So then you had funds. Mm-hmm. What I've never, I've never really understood what Aragon is exactly. So yeah, why don't we start with like, what is the toolkit? So at the at the top level, there's the the Aragon project um, and slash the Aragon network, uh, as you different people call it, which is like a project or a DAO with the mission of making um, decentralized organizations happen. So anyone in the world can can use this this technology uh, and for this we like the main product that we built the argon client uh, which is the, the tool the web app that people use to create and and manage these these organizations so it's like the main product that, that we built and this gets built by different teams uh, we had this this idea from the early beginning that we didn't want to i mean it doesn't really make sense to have um a centralized team in charge of this decentralized technology. If something were to happen to the team, someone should be able to carry the, the torch forward. Um, so we decided to, rather than just growing um, one organization uh, horizontally and, and, and hire a lot of people, to keep um, have multiple teams working on the project uh, that can have different um, tackle problems from different different angles. We're all working for the for the core product. So Argon One, the team that I that I work for, uh, we're seventeen people by now, and we kind of want to get it to twenty five maximum. We don't really want one team to be massive. Mm. Uh, we we might very much rather have like three teams as we have right now uh, with a smaller number of people than just one big organization that becomes harder to to manage and to. What I don't fully get here is like how would you fund other teams are the other teams also funded by the same like from the same pool Mm -hmm. okay so there's the um, uh on top right now uh in charge of the project there's this uh top level entity that's the argon association okay uh this is the entity that uh owns the the defense of the of the project and is in charge of uh basically giving money to different teams and different um projects so that the the mission of Argon gets gets the gets carried away. Um for the Argon Association we have this this process that we call the AGP process, which is the Argon Governance Proposals. And this is um this was created in November twenty eighteen. That's when AGP one, the the AGP that governs how how this AGPs work, uh was voted in by anti holders and this establishes the process by which every three months there's an Argon network vote in which people um can propose um, anything that they want to do with the project or across just four for different tracks. Um, one of them is finance, which is, okay, let's fund this team or let's fund this project. Uh, others are like association, which is like more for the policies of the organization or like a proclamation, which is like the network saying, okay, this is like the official part, uh, party of the, of the network. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this way, uh, when teams want to apply for funding, they just uh, create an AGP, um, and then the AGP gets put out to a vote uh, by ANT holders. And if ANT holders approve it, then the Argon Association uh, will take care of executing that um, that proposal. Who who's in the association? Like, does the association also hold? Since they hold a lot, do they get to vote as well? No, the association doesn't doesn't vote. Okay, it doesn't vote. No, ah. the the association has uh, a bunch of A and T as well, but mm, the association doesn't doesn't participate in in AGPs. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. The idea of a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization, in the case of Aragon, 
seems to permeate through like every level. It's not only there's a tool set for you to build a DAO, but the DAO tool set is built by a DAO. Mm -hmm. Like that kind of goes all the way up. Yeah, and we operate with all our all our tools. We're the first ones to to use them. Um, the whole AGP process is run on run on Argon, and then the different teams that work for the project. For example, Argon One, uh, which is like a normal company, um, we use Argon for managing um, or the company like the day to day operations, like mm-hmm. directly from the DAO. Even if it's like there's a legal entity that is responsible for that, um, we're still using using the product for that. Hmm. It, like, is there an Aragon 2? Or is there, like, uh, we sort of mentioned there's an association and then there's Aragon 1, mm-hmm. but who are the other groups? Or are they st- are there open slots there? Yeah, the, the other groups are that are right now, uh, they're called Autark, okay. uh, which is this uh, team led by, by Jalda. Uh, and then there's Aragon, Aragon Black. Aragon Black. Yeah. Okay. So there's already, like, three groups, and they've received their funding from the AGP process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and is, is there is there like a runway, I guess, for each one of these? Yeah, so uh, it seems can create their own their own proposal and how it's been working ad hoc for, for new teams is that they've been requesting funding for for six months. Um, and then after that that six months are are over, uh, they will do another another funding proposal. So for example with, with Autark, uh, they got six months for six months of funding uh, in the Argon network vote number one in January. Uh, and then in the in the network vote three in July, uh, they requested uh, one year of funding and they got ah. they got approved. Okay, cool. Okay, so we have these, so I can kind of see this. You have an overarching (laughs) association. You have the three groups underneath. Is each one of these groups building like a client? Are they all building the same thing? How does, like, maybe start with like, what is Aragon 1 building? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I mean, Aragon 1 was, um, a year ago, it was really the only, the only team. Uh, so a year ago, we were building basically everything. Um, and right now, what we are, uh, mostly focused on is, uh, building the, the client itself and the core applications for, for running organizations. So that goes from the onboarding to the, to client. And so we're, we're working on that, um, quite a bit. Uh, we're also leading the development of the, of the Argon network and the Argon court right now. Um, but yeah, we collaborate a lot with, with Odark, especially on the, on the client side. Um, and then Aragon Black right now is mostly focused on Aragon fundraising, uh, which is this, this application to allow DAOs to directly fundraise, um, Ooh. themselves. And what's Autark building? Autark, they're building this, uh, super interesting set of apps, uh, that's called Open Enterprise now. Uh, so these are like, uh, four or five apps that uh, you get to install in your organization and you you can manage um, bounties uh, directly in the in the organization they also build this dot voting application uh, with a different voting mechanism in which people can uh, not only vote on binary decisions but say like express their preference for different options with um, like basically like percentages and then that can lead to Many people voting and splitting money um, proportionally for for many initiatives or or issues, um, and we have a team that is running their own bounties for GitHub issues uh, on Open Enterprise right now. So that's that's really exciting. And then they're also doing a bunch of infrastructure work um, for in the in the client um, and leading some some of the efforts behind uh, identity. And now they're going to tackle finance. It's like, yeah. 
Are all of these dApps or are they concepts? Like, are they kind of like legal? Are they, are they kind of legal structures that are created or are they all technology? D- they're all technology. They're okay. all technology. Yeah. And are they all dApps? Um, they're kind of dApps that run inside the Aragon client. Okay. Uh, so we, we built the, we built Aragon in a pretty modular way. Uh, because rather than building, uh, for a very specific type of organization structure, um, like other projects do, like, okay, this is, this is a way that we think that people are one, want to organize or that we want to organize and we're going to build this code specifically for this. Uh, we took a modular approach and we were like, we're not sure how people are going to want to organize, but we know that these are, this is the way that we could model it so that other people could build any governance model on top of this and decide how to build their organization kind of like, like Legos. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for this, uh, we created this, uh, kind of module system inside the, inside the Argon client. So developers can build their own Argon applications. So, uh, when we launched, we had like this, uh, three core apps. So there's like voting, uh, tokens for membership, uh, and finance to manage like the organization assets. Uh, but then, for example, now Argon Black has worked on, on fundraising and they can just build like that, that, that app. Um, and then organizations can add that app to their, to their organ, right? And they take an organization that just had like very basic functionality and now it can fundraise. Um, and they could also install like open enterprise and start giving out work to a bunch of open source contributors. So it's kind of this modular approach. In which people get to really um, build the organization however they want without involving uh, writing any code or as ma- as minimum code as possible. But does it does it live on Ethereum still? Because yeah. like Ant is an ERC twenty. Yeah. Does the and that's why I'm just kind of curious: are these all like smart contracts, or mm-hmm. are they or are these like web applications that are kind of linked a little bit to a blockchain? No, so these are like totally, they're kind of like little dApps, um, okay. that live within, within Argon. They have a smart contract component, okay. uh, that is using Argon OS and it's part of the organization. Uh, and then there's like, um, also the front end component of the, of the dApp. So kind of what it, what it looks like, it's like you get it on the, on the sidebar with all the uh, apps that the organization has and you can just add, add different apps. So it's kind of like a little app store for organizations. Um, okay. So now I think we have a bit of a picture of the Aragon world and some of the products. Is Aragon also doing advocacy or some sort of like, are you, are you guys working on like understanding legality of some of these systems or like developing the contracts that would work in them as well? So we're like, None of the Aragon teams are directly working on this as a product that, that we provide. We're not, we don't want to turn our, our, ourselves into a law firm. That would, mm-hmm. that would really, <laughs> that would really suck. Um, so, but uh, there, there are people from the, from the community that are already like linking Aragon organizations to real world entities. Um, this, this project called OpenESQ, uh, that they, they opened up the, the first, uh, LLC, uh, that was actually controlled by, by a DAO, um, like this early this year. So that was the first time that we saw an, a DAO become like a controller legal entity. So that was pretty, pretty exciting, but this is something that we're not, um, really, working towards at least in a target one 
Um, so or Aragon as a network also mm-hmm. has this Nest program and this mm-hmm. Flock program. Is that the same as the AGPs that you were mentioning before? So the Flock program is the what we were talking before about uh, different teams that work on Aragon getting getting funding. That's mm-hmm. that's Flock, and it goes through the AGP process. Uh, and then we have Nest, which is which is our grants program for smaller smaller projects of people working on on cool things um, for on Aragon or Ethereum. So those uh, the 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 Nest uh, program is also for projects maybe that aren't in any way working on DAOs but just happen to use a DAO or projects that you think are useful for the ecosystem. Yeah. So when when we started with with Nest, um, we we did give more grants to more general Ethereum infrastructure. For example, we we gave a grant to um, to Prismatic Labs that, that was working then like on Ethereum sharding. Um, and now it's working on the to in on their own ETH2 client, um, and a bunch of other Ethereum infrastructure, like a, um, a native uh, transaction signer for mm. for for the desktop. Uh, but now we're like the last grants that we've given are to people working on 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 cool things on on Argon. So, for example, there's this there's this project that I'm helping out that they're calling it Empower the DAO. Uh, so they use like this piece on Argon DAO. So it's called the Agent that allows it to interact with other protocols, um, and they're building an integration with with Compound so that the oh. DAO can lend their its assets on on Compound and also Uniswap or Manatee and SMs. Uh, so we're having like these projects building integrations or or cool stuff or for example. There's Level K building a few turkey app for for Argon, so that's super super exciting. Let's talk now a bit more generally about mm-hmm. DAOs because I think I mean Aragon is a project in in itself, but there are other DAOs out there, and I'm really curious, kind of like what you make of it. So why don't we start off with like a really mini history of DAOs and like where you see it starting, and maybe some examples along the way. Yeah, um, yeah, I think you can take it back to like and talk about how bitcoin is it's kind of a DAO because it's like totally autonomous uh, organization that is not run by anyone in particular so it's centralized and it, it kind of has a mission to continue producing blocks and secure blocks uh, and you have people all over the world working for for this out to secure uh, to secure the network so i, I think that's kind of a, a real a real DAO. but i think the the DAO that made it uh made the term well known was like D DAO. Uh D DAO. DAO in twenty sixteen. Uh so yeah, this was a very, very interesting DAO. It was like a for profit um vehicle that acted kind of as a as a BC on the on the blockchain. So it, it raised it raised a bunch of money. Uh then they everyone got super excited. It it got to raise a, a crazy amount and because everyone was so excited, the price of ETH was also going going up. Um, it had some game theoretical issues that some people uh, pointed out in the DAO moratorium, um, and they like people were not uh, were not even voting in in proposals because they were a bit a bit scared about these issues that were being pointed out. And eventually, it was like uh, someone posted on Reddit. I think the DAO is getting drained. Um, and it was, it was indeed getting, getting trained, uh, use of a, of a bag uh, that it was in the DAO, mm-hmm. in, in the code that allowed people to kind of create their own, um, child house to, to live through the DAO. So, yeah, this is, this was in, in summer of 2016 that then led to the whole Ethereum classic, um, drama and the, the fork. Um, so, 
yeah, I think then after that, the term Tao got like a, a bit of a bad rep. Um, and, but I think like, especially these years when we're starting to see that people are being way more open and excited about DAOs again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, that's really, really cool. And I think it's only going to, going to increase in the next, next few years when people are like, when we start getting again big DAOs, uh, with a lot of, with a lot of people making, being like big, um, big entities in the space. What are some examples of DAOs today that you think are kind of exciting? Like either projects that sit on a DAO or that are in themselves just a DAO? Yeah, I mean, I think ourselves are, it's one of the best examples of, uh, of a DAO operating as a, like in a, in a centralized way. Um, then there's like, uh, projects like, uh, Moloch, uh, that a lot of people are excited about, um, which is kind of, um, like a grand sale in which like people have, have donated some, some money there and are coordinating around, um, different goals that they want to, want to accomplish. Um, is Moloch built using Aragon stuff or is it like, did they build it themselves? Yeah. Moloch took the approach of building it themselves in, um, like they wanted, uh, a very simple mechanism that worked for their particular mission of mm-hmm. what they wanted to do. And they built it, um, custom code up. to do that, but just, uh, just in a very specific way, mm. um, which has the, the issue that if you want to use it for slightly different thing, you probably need to end up rewriting a lot of, a lot of the code. But I think it's, it's good that for that particular use case, they, they came up with, with a pretty interesting mechanism and we're actually now building some of the, some of the ideas that Moloch, uh, implemented and building them as, um, modules, modules. that Aragon, Aragon DAOs can, can use. And then it was Meta Cartel. That is a fork of Moloch. Mm-hmm. And they did some changes, I guess, to that as well, or just the numbers. I, I think they, they're using the, the, the exact same state code, same, okay. same code base. Uh, but yeah, it's a pretty similar, uh, idea for, for the, for the DAO. What about something like DX DAO or DX? Is that how you say it? DX DAO? I think so. Yeah. Do you know anything about? I, I haven't followed it super, super, super closely. Uh, but I think the idea is that there was this exchange that did that, that exchange and they handed over the control, um, to this, to this DAO and it, it's in charge of deciding, uh, what tokens to get listed and, and some other decisions about the, about this change. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a member of the, of the DAO myself. Um, I remember I had a friend who pinged me and was like super excited about it. It was like, wow, look at this in action. It's like, you know, it actually has voting and like there's a huge percentage of people participating and it's super decentralized. But then I also heard that like after a bit of time, there was like a form of centralization or cartel-like behavior that formed. And maybe this can actually, like, this is something I think we, it would be really good for us to talk about. Like, what does it mean to game a DAO? Well, there are many, many ways that you can, you can game a DAO. Um, the most terrible attack, uh, the one that I'm the most scared about is 51% attacks. Um, so the way that this work is, um, imagine that you have an organization in which you have simple majority voting, uh, for doing anything. So if the majority, if there's a vote and the majority of the organization agrees to something, it has 
total control over the organization. So send all the money somewhere else. Mm. Um, so you can have someone malicious that if anyone can create proposals and there's nothing at stake that says, okay, I propose that we move all of this money uh, in the organization to a smart contract that is going to split all the money in the organization between everyone that votes yes in the proposal. Oh, so with zero cost to the to the attacker, you can have uh, this way to disrupt uh, the organization. And as a voter, you really not you're not risking anything. Like if anything, if the attack happens and it actually passes, and you didn't you didn't vote for it, you're actually gonna get you're getting burned. So. The rational thing may be to just vote yes. Um, in, in that way, you're, you're voting to kind of distract the, the organization. Um, and this is the, the crazy thing is that it has like totally zero, zero cost, wow. uh, to the attacker. And it's something that cannot happen in the, in the real world in illegal companies because you, you have, uh, fiduciary responsibilities. And if someone were to do that, then, uh, there would be people that go to jail or mm. that would be in deep, deep trouble. But with decentralized organizations, you cannot really act after the fact. If someone does this attack, um, then that's that's it. The money has moved, um, and you cannot really you cannot really stop this. Um, so this is a problem that we're working on on solving uh, with this concept called proposal agreements. So the idea is that organizations could have um, subjective rules for what proposals are valid and which proposals are invalid, and also try to encode what the values and the mission of the organization is. And this is something that you really don't want to write in code mm. um so you write that down in in english or whatever whatever language and then when people are making proposals uh if someone doesn't doesn't think that that proposal should be valid per the organization they just don't think it's a bad proposal it's like invalid you this is something that cannot happen you cannot take the money uh steal the money for a subset of members of the organization that's just Kind of illegal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have the the R1. Someone can challenge that and put it to the R1 court, which is a network of euros that will look at the at the they will look at the evidence. They will look at what the rules for the organization are and make a subjective judgment on whether that proposal was even valid in the first place. Wait, um, this is the Aragon court. Yeah, and you send this off to jurors. That's mm-hmm. the terminology you're using there. Yeah. Interesting. So what's the court? So there's this, um, the Argon court is uh, a protocol of the Argon network. Um, so the, the idea of the, of the court is have, um, a way to do dispute resolution on subjective, um, subjective issues. Like, does this proposal, um, uh, follow the rules of the, of the organization for making proposals? Uh, because for, there's a lot of, subjective judgment in running an organization that just like it's impossible for a smart contract to see like a proposal to move all the money of the organization because there's a bag and we want to move it somewhere else and a proposal to move all the money to this contract that splits it between all the attackers looks like, the same it's exactly the same yeah. it's just the the intent and what's behind it and this is something that a computer cannot just 
cannot uh, compute uh, and make a make a decision so this is why we have to include this uh, subjective um, mechanism with the with the iron cord there's like a very simple protocol in which you have um, a set of jurors that are, are staking the court and every time that there's a dispute uh, a random um, set of jurors get sampled and they're asked okay what do you think how do you think this should go is it valid or invalid they, they vote there's a period in which everyone can appeal the decision and get more jurors involved but if there are no appeals then that decision gets gets made and gets sent back to the organization saying okay this proposal is valid or invalid is that who is the jurors like are they just token holders or well the jurors are um people that want to work for this so they take the they say tokens oh. um and become become jurors and they have a risk of being slashed and if they don't support the winning ruling of a of a dispute um so yeah they're just people mm. that want to work on this to get slashed if they don't support a winning ruling do you think that can the court be gamed so in the v1 of the of the court um there's this idea that we want to have uh, kind of decision finality in a in a reasonable amount of time um, because we don't want proposals like disputes just going over like months and months so we have kind of this soft limit around one month in which we want to solve a, a, a dispute uh, so if um if a dispute starts getting appealed there's just a number of appeal rounds that it can go uh, uh they can go over um and after that there's like this final appeal uh final appeal round in which like all of the active jurors in the court um get uh get selected and asked okay this has gotten like very very far into here so we're just gonna get everyone involved uh, because this may be um like a network affecting yeah. judgment yeah so uh with that getting to that point is actually pretty expensive in every appeal step like two parties need to deposit collateral and mm. different different possible rulings uh but if it gets to that to that point it's like uh the end like just like what's the judgment of the of the entire network um and that if it if it gets to a point um it's very unlikely that the network would decide to not rule for the correct ruling if everyone was involved but mm. that that would be like the the most challenging part um but there's there's this research that uh we have been doing and we'll probably not make it for for v1 of rather than just resolving at that point if people are still disagreeing uh with what the like the majority of the jurors in the court um thought uh the ruling was uh basically open a few turkey market and say okay we we have these two possible universes uh there's the universe in which um the court says the ruling was A and this universe in which the, the ruling was B, um, what would be the price of A and T in both cases? Um, and then a prediction market is open for both and you take the one in which the universe in which the price of A and T would be greater because um, the price of A and T should go down if the if the court is making bad bad rulings uh, because that will impact like future fees and jurors mm-hmm. not joining the court. Um, so yeah, that's that's something that will not make it for everyone, but will make the court much less uh, difficult to game. Wow! And this is this is crazy that you've actually recreated a court system like this. Did you expect to be doing this when you were starting out? Um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of um, kind of obvious that uh, if we really wanted to make uh, sovereign DAOs uh, really work, uh, and these are. DAOs that are don't have a link to the real world. Mm. They're not really an an LLC or a C corp. 
um, that gets interacted with like this neat interface. They're really like the DAO only exists in in code and in the like on the on the blockchain. That we would need some of these services that the real world um, has, and dispute resolution and arbitration is like a huge a huge thing because there's like so many subtleties that you just don't want to code into a smart contract not even that you could uh, but it's like really really hard so it was kind of um kind of obvious that if we really wanted this sovereign DAOs to exist we need a way for uh for resolving um hmm. subjective disputes that come from people dealing with people but does mm-hmm. this mean that there's now going to be like DAO lawyers maybe i i hope that we make it <laughs> simple like that is simple enough uh so that People can just uh, deal with it uh, without having to involve involve lawyers. But um, yeah, it could could definitely could definitely happen. People that specializes yeah. in in just like uh, writing this manifesto so that the court will understand, and then making the case to the to the court. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look back in history at how legal systems developed, like if you want to, you know, look at ancient Rome or something. It started out quite simple. And then what would happen is there'd be an edge case and then a new rule would be created and written down somewhere. And then that would happen over and over and over again. And then big shifts in like mood or like there'd be new ideas that have flourished and the the laws that existed needed to be rewritten. And what you ended up with even then was this very complicated legal system that only few people were expert at. And I do wonder if we're not seeing like potentially the beginnings of that here. Yeah, and this is, the thing that we're uh, one of the big projects that we're focusing the most at, at Aragon One is getting the this V one of the Aragon network with the Aragon Court ready for for the end of the year. Do you think like in the Aragon toolkit though can like say I want a DAO would I also create a court? No, you can you can just see um you can just see Aragon Court uh, okay. of the of the network. Um, so the the way that it's been designed is that uh, when you have a DAO, you could choose who you, who is your um your oracle for dispute resolution, and that could be the Aragon Court that the network agrees like okay, this is our court, but someone could fork the court uh, and do something else or. Just go with um, a simpler mechanism, which is like, okay, we're gonna get this person or this DAO to uh, to decide decide here. So it's totally possible that people use other oracles, but the the Argon Court will be the like a, a good default. Wow, you're, and it's interesting here because you kind of you're you're thinking of an oracle, like in this case, is an oracle a jury in a weird way? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, from the DAO's perspective, it just needs okay, who is like, I just need this entity to tell me what to do because I cannot resolve this with my with my with my code. Um so yeah, the the, the Argon Court is um is a subjective oracle that involves humans and jurors and like an appeals process to get to a final ruling, but at the end of the day it's like an mm. an a jury oracle, yeah. Can do you have another example of sort of a way that a DAO could be gamed? And then maybe we could even like it would be interesting to see like how would that be used how would that go through the system up to the court just like as a for me for me to understand that even a little better yeah so the in in terms of the court this uh 51% protection or uh m- making sure that organizations uh stick to their to their manifesto that's the the main use case for for the court right now but what if it was something like okay what if, so another way that i've heard DAOs could be gamed is like say a malicious whale Instead of like putting the idea, oh, if you vote for me, 
I, you know, I will give you tokens. What if a malicious whale or just like a whale who's super pissed at some group of people mm-hmm. and they're asking for funding and a malicious whale jumps on board, buys a bunch of ant, votes against a proposal to fund that group that they don't like. Mm-hmm. And the whole and it's super obvious to everybody. Could there be like, would that ever hit a court? Because um, to n- me, that's a bit of an attack. I mean, in that case, what I what I would say is that they should, if the if the network was say, like did want to make that make that happen, then it should be voted again. And some people that didn't didn't show up to vote, they they should go and vote. But the the thing that we're really solving with the with the court is like avoiding uh, invalid proposals per the organization's rules or mm-hmm. values. Like if we have an organization that is gonna fund. Uh, open source work uh on on Aragon and someone submits a proposal to I don't know like uh, build a gambling game on Tron uh that that thing shouldn't like even if the whale there's like a Tron whale in the DAO that really wants it to happen and has 51% of the of the tokens the way that the court protects you is that that proposal uh doesn't even get voted on or like someone can stop the voting and say okay even if you have 51% of the tokens, we have these rules in the organization that we're not gonna even like entertain the idea of doing this. Mm. Uh, so that's really what the, what the court is protecting, like not making bad proposals pass. Uh, but if, uh, a pro- like a whale ban- buys a bunch of tokens and the network still wants to do that, but they didn't show up to vote, they should submit it again and do show up to vote. <laughs> <laughs> And then what I guess you get there is you do get this idea of like lobbyists almost like you, I know these terms are super loaded (laughs) and we don't like them, but Mm -hmm. you do get these, you know, advocates for certain proposals and they, one of, some of their job, I guess, would be to go around two whales or two large holders and like rally them to this cause. Yeah. And we've kind of heard that this has happened, um, in some, um, contentious AGPs uh, that there were in the in the past or when teams were getting funding. Um but yeah I think that's that's okay and like the these whales at, at the end of the day are are heavily involved in the in the ecosystem and they should have a say. Mm-hmm. Um and this uh, I believe that voting will get um way more participation when once we release the delegation so that people can delegate to if, if they want to be a more passive holder in the in the DAO, they can say, okay, I want this person to to vote for me or this mm-hmm. other DAO even. Um and then they delegate their vote and if at some point they don't agree with whatever they're voting, then they can take um they can like overrule the vote or even like take the delegation back. Uh so I think that will that will improve a lot because for uh, some big uh big holders they're just um taking the tokens out of custody uh, and and cold storage is just uh, a big hassle for for voting in in some AGPs. Like sometimes when there have been important AGPs, some some people have done that. But it it would be easier to just keep the tokens in cold storage um, and delegate that to either a holder key that the that they have or or to an organization that they know will vote in their best interests. Wow! And then you have representatives. Yeah. <laughs> and soon there'll be like a little council. <laughs> maybe a parliament but that's this is so it's interesting that it's kind of getting to that point um do you feel like as time goes on you're going to see more and more of these 
kind of cases emerge and and there might be some weird cases. I'm sure you guys are looking back over sort of case studies and thinking of ways to mediate it. But who is like, which of those teams, which of the teams is like working on the ideas? Because here it's, even though I'm, I know that there's like a technical switch or something that's created, but really first, before you can create the technical, you need to figure out like, like what's the system and who's developing that? Like, how do you, how, how do you come up with these ideas for courts or new rules or, yeah. Yeah, so this is, um, a lot of the ideas that we're finishing to implement now, they were in the original, in the original white paper, um, that, that were, like in the second white paper that we wrote in, um, early 20, 2017. Um, so yeah, it's like just a lot of, discussions with the team on how how to make that how to make that happen um so in the in the past like aragon one has been leading the ideation research and development of the of the aragon network um but now we're seeing that other teams are also starting their own their own projects uh under the the aragon um the aragon ecosystem and yeah mm. so it's it's kind of in in this moment that Almost everything that we um, set out to build is is getting to a point that is like ready, almost ready to ready to launch. And now there's a lot of cool, interesting things that people are starting to do and come up with their own projects. So far, what we've heard is like there's voting. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just thinking, what are the mechanisms in DAOs? There's voting, and this is where like if you happen to have a lot of tokens and you have a you have more of a vote if you've taken it out of cold storage and you're willing to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other mechanisms that you guys are exploring where maybe it wouldn't be the amount of tokens, but rather like an individual gets to vote? Is this something that you guys are actually thinking about? Yeah. What do you, what do you think of that? Yeah, we've had this um, support for this actually for for a long time. Just that people weren't weren't really using it that that way. But I think there's. Um, there's very interesting things to do with with reputation. Uh, there's this uh, this team that um, is is working on integrating this um, this project called SourceCrit uh, that allows you to analyze the reputation, like get a reputation graph um, on a project based on contributions to GitHub or Discourse. Um, and they're trying to bridge that back into the DAO so that you have like voting power in 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 relation to what your reputation is uh which comes down to how much you're contributing to the to the project um so i think that's that's super exciting um and the dao zero project they're they're leading they're leading that and i'm super excited to to see that mm-hmm. um and there are also other more um sci-fi uh governance um models like future key that i'm super excited that it's getting to a point that we will start seeing experiments with this in the very, like in the next few months. Uh, actually, for the next AGP, we we'll maybe have like a signal in, um, a signaling market, a futurky market for the for the AGP that it, it will have like its own parallel uh, futurky boat. What is so? I don't think we've defined this, but what is futurky? Yeah. So the the whole idea of futurky is that rather than having uh, people uh, vote for uh, what they what they think should should happen, um, the organization has like a, a metric that it's trying to to optimize for. Uh, and whenever you you're faced with a decision, it's it's just looking at okay, well, if the if we voted if if we went with yes, uh, what do we think the outcome like this metric would go to? So. A very simple way would be like the price of a token. 
Um, so we have this decision to make. Uh, if we go just what is going to be the price of the token in, in five years uh, or like in five months, uh, if we go B, what is going to be the, the price of the token for, for this? And then you have like a prediction market on, on both and people start betting on how would the outcome uh, of each of the options is. Uh, but they're actually not betting on what they think it's it, it's better. They're actually putting their money uh, where, their, where their mouth is and saying, okay, yeah, I bet that this will be uh, good for the token up to like a 50% increase in price. And they actually have a, have a bet on that. Mm. They're sort of betting on the outcome. They're it's, not betting on what they want necessarily. Yeah, it's betting on how good well the outcome would will be for the organization. Yeah. So what do you think the biggest risk facing DAOs is right now? Yeah, I think there's an amount of technical risk. Um and this technology is still being um not not super old and so far we haven't seen um a big smart contract back in a in a while, but it's still like pretty Pretty nice in technology, and people should should be careful um, careful with it. Uh, but then there's also um, interesting implications from the from the legal side uh, in the moment that you don't have um, any any legal link uh, to the organization, and it's just people like making decisions with the with an organization that is just running on the on the blockchain. So yeah, the legal implications about how does this get interpreted in different jurisdictions is is very interesting. Um and also there's like risk of someone creating a DAO for doing something something bad, which is definitely mm-hmm. possible. Like people using good technology to do bad things as it's happened with every every technology. Uh, and mm-hmm. that could give the the space a, a bit of a bad reputation. Yeah, that's actually, I didn't think about that part. With the legal stuff, like, that is actually, that's, that's a question that I've, that I've had myself, where it's like, say you are running your organization as a DAO, and you've collected funds, and you want to distribute those funds, and say it's like you're, you're actually distributing them like pay, how do you, like, it's almost like how do you declare maybe as an individual it's actually not that complicated to declare because you like have an amount of things and there's a service and it's like whatever you wrote an invoice to somewhere but like how does like that would then if say you declared your taxes and you include this cool you as an individual is great but this organization that paid you like it's sort of a link to this thing and it isn't filing any taxes so like what happens with that yeah, this is a very interesting question, and this is an idea that we've been kind of working on, but n- never really got to implementing it. That is this idea of DAO proxies, uh, which are uh, rather than having like a one-to-one relationship uh, with a with a like having a DAO and a legal entity, having like organize like companies that can be like service providers for for DAOs, so that they could be the entity that invoices for a bunch of uh, a bunch of DAOs. Uh, there's like a lot of very bleeding edge uh, legal legal work that has to be done here. Like we don't have um, the expertise in the team right now, but we're actually uh, it's something that the Argon Association is looking into into knowing people that that could be interested in working on this. Like seeing how we can create these these links that are not okay. We have a DAO and we have a 
company or a corporation that represents the DAO, which I think it's not really, it kind of misses the point. It's like at that point, you're just doing like nicer interfaces for companies, mm. uh, but having like these service providers that you can have the sovereign DAOs and just use them for uh, sending invoices or like owning real estate or something like that. I think that's, that's super interesting, but there's definitely more work needs to be done in this area. Are there any jurisdictions that are actually working with DAOs or on DAOs? Why did I hear something about like Vermont? <laughs> yeah, no. I haven't I haven't heard about haven't heard about that. Um okay. yeah, there's like something interesting going on in the in the state of Wyoming in the in the US that they're creating kind of this um sandbox for uh, regulatory sandbox for organizations to create there, but I think most of the things that we're seeing are like just maybe recognizing the DAO as a legal entity um, in in those jurisdictions. Um, but yeah, I think the we should see it like the the way that we should pursue it is that some uh, jurisdictions start seeing them as their own thing and don't try to regulate them and or like make them appear as a as a legal entity there because the moment that you have a jurisdiction that recognizes you as a legal entity then okay you're you're into the into a system again yeah so i found it by the way it's dorg 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 announced in in june that it was the first legally established decentralized autonomous organization in U.S. law, and it's a BBLLC, a blockchain-based limited liability company in Vermont. I can put the link in the in the show notes if somebody's curious. Yeah, there there was actually Ross from the Argon community. I works on OpenESQ that created like the I think the first one is one that he created like earlier in the year, like April of May or May, that created like a New York LLC linked uh, with a with a DAO, um, and they have like this this way of very easily uh, creating uh, an LLC for your for your DAO. Um, so I think like as Far as I'm aware of, uh, Rosas is the is the OG uh, dialing <laughs> uh, to the real world, uh, but yeah. yeah. Well, there it sounds like there's a few more experiments going on at least. But I think you're right. Where it's like if you're just linking it right to another company, then you're eventually tapping into the same problems. Yeah, you're the company uh, with yeah. the nicer. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. What do you think? What's exciting to you right now when you look forward? Like, what do you think? Do you, where can you picture a DAO? What place do you picture it taking in the future? Yeah, I'm excited to see um, big DAOs uh, again. Um, I think the, the DAO, like the 2016 the DAO was amazing. Like, uh, maybe we got a little too excited uh, too soon and we threw. <laughs> Um, double digits, uh, percentages of the ETH supply to something that was unproven. But I think it was super exciting to see like massive amounts of capital and attention being pulled into, into an idea and everyone collaborating to do due diligence for projects and like uh, deciding how to, how the DAO was going to make a return for everyone, which was like a pretty, pretty simple mission that DAO has is like we're gonna make investments and make a bunch of money uh so i'm excited to see big DAOs like like this one that that people are uh we get the technology to a point that people are not scared um and that it's safe actually to do like uh, a big organization that has like a, a big a big goal and not only uh a DAO that just uh 
we put money inside and it kind of leaks, leaks it uh, in the form of grants, but that actually has a, a mission and a goal to exist for a lot of years and that, that involves becoming self, self-sustainable. Mm. Well, listen, I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast and giving me a walk through the Aragon DAO, the setup, and DAOs in general. Yeah, thanks so much. It was super fun. And I think there's definitely a lot to take from this. I feel like we see it. We do see more and more DAOs popping up around. And I, I had never really realized the the sort of far-reaching implications that, that having a DAO could have. So this has been really helpful. So thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks. And to our listeners, thanks for listening. <laughs>